This afternoon, our text is going to be found in Joshua 24, 1 through 15. I'm going to use Joshua and his family as illustration for the sermon. And I want to talk a little bit about families. Families are important, but families are different, aren't they? Families have, uh, different families have different personalities. Have you ever been to a, a, a family's, a different family's home growing up? Maybe you went home with one of your friends and it was just a kind of a fun personality to that family. Everybody enjoyed each other's company. They enjoyed uh, joking around and having fun. They demonstrated their love. And then maybe you went to another family's home and they didn't have that exact personality. They may have had a more of a, a stern, serious personality. Not that they didn't love each other, but the personality overall was just a little different. I don't think I necessarily grew up in a, uh, a family where fun was at the top of the list. You know, I don't know that any family ought to be like that, but you understand what I mean. Uh, our family, for instance, uh, was always having fun in a good time for the most part. We expected certain things from our girls, and they fulfilled those, but as we did those things every day, we had fun, and we wanted to have fun. And when you think about <clears throat> families, you think about moms and dads and and each having a role that they uh, participate in to make that family what it ought to be. The thing that really got me to thinking about this, and I'd mentioned this in class, was an interaction that Cameron had at a person's house. And this young man said, you know, women are good for uh, cooking and cleaning and having babies. Oh, yeah, and for running their mouths. Uh, there are very few things in the world that make me more angry than that. And so uh, I want to talk for a few moments, not that we need to be lectured or anything on that. We don't, we don't hold that opinion. But we need to, to talk about and remind ourselves the importance of family. Family is very important. Uh, the family impacts the world. And if we have more godly families, we'll have a more godly world. Uh, let me read a few things about mothers and fathers that I came across. Uh, motherhood is the exquisite inconvenience of being another person's everything. That sounds to me like that. Uh, that lady can do a few more things and cook and clean and run her mouth. Mother is the heartbeat in the home. Now, Brother Leroy Brownlow, uh, and you've all seen his book, Why I'm a Member of the Church of Christ, he made this statement, Mother is the heartbeat in the home, and without her, there seems to be no heart throb. What about this one? Susan Gale said, Mothers are like glue. Even when you can't see them, they're still holding the family together. Jody Picolt said, My mother, she is beautiful, softened at the edges, and tempered with a spine of steel. I want to grow old and be like her. A mother understands what a child does not say is an old Jewish proverb. Laura Harm said, We have a secret in our culture. And it's not that birth is painful, it's that women are strong. It's not easy being a mother. If it were, 
fathers would do it. When your mother asks, do you want a piece of advice? This is from Irma Bombeck, noted author. It's merely a formality. It doesn't matter if your answer yes or no, you're going to get it anyway. Milton Berle, and we remember him, he said, if evolution really works, how come mothers have only two hands? There's only one pretty child in the world, says a Chinese proverb, and every mother has it. It's such a grand thing to be a mother of a mother. That's why the world calls her grandmother. Now, on the other hand, there's some some statements said about fathers and and things of that nature and some uh, uh, stories that I have read. Deanna Scheider, or excuse me, Scheider, she wrote about her Generation X daughter, Christy, who wrote a, a card to her father entitled, Things My Dad Would Never Say. Can you turn up the music? Go ahead and take my truck. Here's 50 bucks for gas. I love your tattoo. We should both get new ones. Here, you take the remote. Carla Casper said while flying from Denver to Kansas City, a mother was sitting across the aisle from a woman and her eight-year-old son and and she couldn't help but laugh. Uh, as uh, they neared the destination because she heard the mother talking to the little boy saying, Now remember, run to dad first and then the dog. (laughs) But you know, I think I agree with Dr. James Dobson. He said, on a more serious note, the Western world stands at a great crossroads in its history. It is my opinion that our very survival as a people will depend upon the presence or absence of masculine leadership in millions of homes. I believe with everything within me that husbands hold the keys to the preservation of the family. And that's how it ought to be. But that's not always the case, is it? There was once a prayer said for fathers, said mender of toys, leader of boys, changer of fuses, kisser of bruises, bless him, O Lord. Mover of couches, soother of ouches, pounder of nails, teller of tales, reward him, O Lord. Hanger of screens, counselor of teens, fixer of, fixer of bikes, chastiser of tykes, help him, O Lord. Raker of leaves, cleaner of eaves, dryer of dishes, fulfiller of wishes, bless him, O Lord. Now when we look into the Bible, We see a multitude of godly families, but I don't think we see any family that's any greater than the family of Joshua. Now, Joshua, we don't know what his wife's name was. We don't know anything really about his children. But we know that they were good. We know they were good because they were believers in God and they followed after God. At 110 years old, Joshua summoned the leaders of Israel to him. He knew his time was just about up, and so he gave a farewell address, and he charged them to obey the commandments of God. He he warned them against apostasy. He warned them against not doing what God asked them to do, the dangers that came with that. And then he made a statement. He said, Choose you this day whom you will serve. Now remember, he had chosen the perfect setting for this statement. 
Because Shechem was alive with the sacred memories of Abraham's altar and Jacob's well. As he spoke, he had the authority of 40 years of following in the footsteps of Moses and 25 years of leading the campaign to conquer the land of promise. He reinforced his appeal with the power of a good example. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now that's the title, or the title of the sermon is, What About Our Homes? What About Our Homes? Are moms and dads being a good example? Now, I don't know if this young man was joking that caused me to think about this, but if he was not, he didn't have a very good example at home. And our examples at home are very important. Mothers and fathers, again, I don't know who Joshua's wife was. I don't know the mother of his children, how she operated within the home or or interacted with anyone, but I know she did it in a godly way. Because he said, as for me and my household, we will follow the Lord. He was just simply the spokesman. Oh, he was the head of the home in the way that God had designed, but he was just a spokesman for the home. His wife wanted to follow God. His children wanted to follow God. But if we're going to have good families that are good examples and rear their children properly, we're going to have to have mothers and fathers who protect the home. That's our first point. How do we go about protecting the home? Well, moms and dads need to be pathfinders. They have different roles, but they still need to be pathfinders. That means that they have a great responsibility to lead the family in their respective roles. Fathers are the heads of the homes in the way God has designated, and the mothers are, I believe, the binding glue that keeps families together. If it weren't for faithful mothers, the world would probably have been destroyed thousands of years ago. That's just my opinion. But... Let's look at Joshua. He acknowledged the great responsibility all fathers ought to accept and by necessity mothers as well. He spoke for his family. He spoke for that clear intent that they were going to follow after God and that was the example they set forth. Notice what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3. He said, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. What Paul wasn't indicating here was some sort of a chauvinist, misogynist, dictator type attitude that women aren't good for anything but cooking and cleaning, having babies and running their mouths. If I had that young man here right now by the collar, I might give him a counseling session because he needs one. To make a statement like that regarding God's families is beyond blasphemous to me. Christ died for the church because of His great love, but He was still the head of the church. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. No man who loves his wife would ever make a statement that way. No man who loves the mother of his children would ever in any way indicate her worth based upon cooking, cleaning, having children, and running her mouth. Joshua was a pathfinder spiritually. He listened to Moses. 
Joshua's wife was a pathfinder for the family in keeping it together. Joshua had a certain role he had to fulfill both for God and for the family. He had to lead God's people into battle. And who was going to take care of the family while he was gone? Miss Joshua was going to do that, right? She was going to do it. We think of Noah and we think of his wife and his three sons. Now we're told what the names of his three sons are. We're not told what his wife's name is, but she got on the boat. Do you know why? Because she was faithful and she had great worth and she was a leader in the family in her role. Noah's out building the ark. Who's taking care of the family? Now they may have been grown at that time. I don't know. But he was also a preacher of righteousness, Peter tells us, and he had work to do. So who's going to take care of those children while he's gone? It is the father's duty to ensure his children know how to be saved. It is, his, it is the father's duty to ensure that his children are trained properly. Now how many fathers train their children? Well, we all train them, but how do we go about doing that? We recruit moms. Don't we? That's that's what I've seen. That's been my experience in life. But Joshua was a pathfinder spiritually. Notice what's said about him, Deuteronomy six, verse six, or, or rather the the instruction that he followed. And these words I, which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. That sounds like jobs that almost every Christian mother I know fulfills. We have to ensure our children know how to be saved and how to walk in the fellowship of God. Moms and dads need to understand if they are not knowledgeable in God's plan of salvation, they can't teach their children that. It's not the preacher's responsibility to teach my children how to be saved. That falls upon me. And I haven't always been a preacher. But it is my responsibility as a father to make sure they understand how to do that. And do you know who taught my children how to be saved? Their mother. Their mother. Fathers must be able to explain the importance of that. Mothers must be able to explain the importance of that, the steps to be saved, the necessary requirements. I think the greatest gift any mother and father can pass on to their children is the love of God and His presence in their lives. And that's what we ought to want to do. There's a story told about a young boy, frightened by lightning and thunder, who called out one dark night. He said, Daddy, come, I'm scared. Son, the father said, God loves you and he'll take care of you. I know God loves me, the boy replied, but right now I want someone who has skin. Right? That's mom and dad, isn't it? That's mom and dad. Sometimes we just need to, to be able to go lay down in the bed with them. You know, sometimes it's not even mom. You know, do you, do you think moms and dads have ever uh, been killed in accidents and, and someone else is rearing that child? Sure, it happens. Sure, it happens. Well, you know what? Those people, they have taken upon themselves the roles of parents. Now, children also need to learn something in this life. They need to understand that you can please your parents. You can please your parents. 
If you can never please your Father, what makes a child ever believe that he can please the Father in heaven? Paul told fathers at Ephesus, Ephesians 6, 4, Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. If moms and dads are so critical that a child can never please them, they think they will never be able to please anyone. What's he talking about not provoking your child? Do do children become angry when they are punished justly? Sure, they don't like that. They don't understand. Sometimes they're not old enough to understand. When they get to be nearly grown, they get it, right? Or they're better able to understand it. But when we're talking about not provoking a child to wrath, we're talking about not not imposing unreasonable commands, needless severity, uncontrolled anger. See, we do not want to impart any of that into our children. Children need to be governed by their mothers and their fathers in such a way that if punishment is necessary, they understand and they will not lose confidence that their parents love them. Joshua and his wife were certainly protectors at home. They were pathfinders and they were providers. They were providers. Have we all seen over the years how there are a lot of fathers in this world who do not provide the way in which they should? There's a lot of people, a lot of men out there who have had children who do not take care of their children and then therefore it falls upon the mother. Sometimes the mother does not take care of her children in the proper way, but mothers who have to do it on their own, have been burdened with a role they did not ask for. Now, it may have been because of poor decision-making on their part, but that does not relieve the person who is the father of his duty. A family is supposed to have a father who provides financially, spiritually, and emotionally for their families. And they must also have a mother who provides maybe financially, Definitely spiritually and emotionally for the uh, family, and that is exactly God's design. Notice what Paul instructed fathers to do in 1 Timothy 5.8. But if anyone does not provide for his own home, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That father is worse than an unbeliever. He is worthless and useless to his family. Victor Borge, Danish pianist and comedian, he announced at the close of a CBS special, uh, he said, I wish to thank my mother and father who made this show possible and my five children who made it necessary. He understood that he needed to provide for his family. Now, Providing for a family does not necessarily encompass only financial things, right? It absolutely encompasses spiritual things. But bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. As the family follows the father, or the, as the family follows the father, and as the family follows the mother, Both of those folks have to do it and be good examples uh, as they do that. Let's notice Titus chapter 2. 
I bring up Titus chapter 2 because that was a proof text that was told to Cameron as she was in this short conversation. Let's begin with verse number 3. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, and the Word of God be not blasphemed. There you go. Good for cooking, cleaning, having babies, and don't forget running their mouths. And that's the proof text for that. Read verse 6 with me. In verse 7, Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. I don't know about this young man. I don't know who he is, but he doesn't fit that profile. He doesn't fit that profile. A young man who has been exhorted to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. would never make a statement like that. Let's go back to Ephesians 5. How is a husband supposed to love his wife? As Christ loved the church, did Christ ever talk ugly about the church? Did He ever try to demean the church? Try to show the church to be less than what it is and not necessary? You see, for good or bad, parents will influence their children. Notice this poem. His little arms crept around my neck and then I heard Him say, Four simple words I can't forget. Four words that made me pray. They turned a mirror on my soul on secrets no one knew. They startled me. I hear them yet. He said, I'll be like you. We need to consider that as parents, as people who influence anyone in this life. We need to consider those things. A father ought to want to provide a loving environment for the family when one speaks of his wife, and if you speak of, uh, of women in that manner before you get married, you'll do it after. That's not a loving environment. Paul said, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Colossians 3.19 How do we know a father loves his children? Because he first loves their mother. Young boys need to learn how to treat their future wives Daughters need to understand how to be treated by husbands. And where do they learn that? They learn that in home, at home from their mothers and their fathers because both are pathfinders and both are protectors. There's more than one way to protect a child. And being an example of a wife who allows herself to be mistreated is not protecting your child. A father who mistreats is not protecting his children and the other way around. How are sons going to know how they ought to be treated by their wives? 
by the way their mother treats their father. How's a son going to know how to treat a wife? By the way his father treats his mother. And the same thing for young girls. Joshua and his wife protected their family by being pathfinders, by being providers. And you know good and well, they engaged in prayer often. To be successful, mothers and fathers need to pray. We need to pray that God will help us. And we're talking about grandparents as well. Grandparents ought to pray for their grandchildren and their children regularly. It has to be a daily part of our lives. And then our children and our grandchildren will learn that. Do you believe if a, if a family sees mom and dad trusting in God, they can grow up to trust God? If a, if a family sees mom and dad giving thanks to God for things that they've received, do you think they'll learn to give thanks to God? And then we can recognize for all those wonderful gifts from where they come. I think Job is an example. Early in the morning, his habit was to get up and offer a sacrifice to God for each of his children in case one perhaps had sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Job 1.5 Job and his wife was the mother and the father that God demanded because they protected the family. But how was it they were able to go about protecting their family? Because they had a plan to protect their family. They didn't just show up and say, well, let's hope this thing turns out. Right? Now, you may feel like that's how it is when you first get married, when you first begin to have children. You may think, well, let's just see how good a job we can do. But that's really not how it happens, is it? Within each family, there's a father and a mother, or at least there should be, And there has to be a plan for those two people. And I think we see that in Joshua's family. How are you going to provide physically, spiritually, and emotionally if you've never thought about it? Fathers and mothers need to think about it, right? It's one thing to want something for a family. It's entirely another thing to do what is necessary to gain that thing that you want for your family. We want our children to go to heaven. We want our grandchildren to go to heaven. That is a high ideal. It is something that we ought to to want to have in our lives. But what are we doing to make that happen? What are we doing to make that happen? There's only one way to gain spiritual success for any family. And we're reminded of that statement when we read what Joshua said. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why was uh, God so uh, uh, thankful for Abraham? Because he knew that he ruled his house well. Those who were in his house followed him and he ruled it well. Now we have to understand in today's terms what that means. That means he led his house in a godly manner. And those in his house wanted to be led in a godly manner. Any rational parent wants children, their children, to go to heaven. Whether he's concerned for himself or herself or not. But to make that possible, the parents need to prepare themselves first 
If the parent isn't going to make it to heaven, the odds for the children getting there are very low. What we do in this life, without doubt, influences our children. And if we influence them to make stupid statements, eventually they'll believe that. There has to be a plan for the father and the mother, but there has to be a plan for the family in general. There has to be unity within the family. When Joshua spoke, his voice rang with the sound of unity, didn't it? As for me and my house. He's talking about his wife and he's talking about his children. So there's no doubt in my mind his wife agreed with that statement. He spoke for her. He spoke for her in that instance. He could say those words confidently because of his godly character. And he had a wife who had a godly character. I was talking with a young man one time. I said, look, don't go looking for your wife in a bar. Don't go looking for your wife in a bar. Because you'll stumble across someone, and that may is may be what happens. And you've got someone from the wrong area. Now, you might be able to turn that around. But that's not where you want to find your husband or your wife. When the family's united, it will endure trials that come their way. You have to be united in God. I think Joshua and his wife possessed a very godly determination to be faithful to God and to do the things He asked them to do. But the family has to be steeped in God's teachings for that to happen. And we know that that happened in Joshua's home. Because isn't that the first thing God told Joshua to do when he assumed the leadership of the nation? Let's read those five verses and listen to the words God spoke to Joshua, making application to our own lives. He said, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua taught God's message to his family and the nation which he led. There's all kinds of things involved in those five verses. There's the spiritual, there's the physical. You take care of your family when you're a mother and a father. I was listening uh, to the radio on occasion, and I heard uh, uh, this comedian come on. He was talking about poor leadership. He was talking about it uh, as far as the government is concerned, but then he used the family as an illustration. He says, you know, a mom and dad doesn't go up to the eight-year-old son or daughter and say, look here, I got, I, we got to talk about something. I'm three months behind on the rent, and I'm getting worried. You know, we don't tell our children that, do we? Sometimes that information doesn't have to go out. Might that be the case? Well, sure, that might be the case. But is it poor leadership to discourage a nation of people? 
Joshua didn't do that. They were about to go into war. And Moses encouraged them before they went in, before his life ended. Joshua encouraged them when he took the helm. And listen, that's what we do in our families. right? We, we don't have poor leadership in our families. Moms and dads lead in their perspective roles. I think the desire for all parents should be to do all they can to get their families to an eternal reward. Moms and dads are important. One's no more important than the other. And we ought to want parents to be successful. We ought to do all we can to help them be successful. But in the end, what's the most important thing? To be faithful Christians. To lead a family in the perspective role the proper way and to get them to heaven or at least do our part as parents to get them to heaven. I think Joshua and his wife were certainly the kind of of parents who protected the family. They had a plan for the family. And they loved God. Are we going to be able to Stand before God on that last day and say, as for me and my house, we followed God. didn't matter what everybody else did. That's what we need to be able to do. We need to be able to do it every day. And if that can't be the case, we need to make some changes in our lives, right? If you need to answer the Lord's invitation at this hour, if you need to make amends for something in your life as a Christian, And come back to Him. Let that be known as we stand and as we sing.